so much of the conversation, the language about spiritual formation and religious practice is an extension and expression of privilege. Yes. Oh, so, yes. Like, okay, preach on it. Let's the, go. The, <laughs> when, when it comes to, the, and you're getting after it, like specifically with something like silence, it's one thing for, for us, right, as like suburban white parents to be like, oh my gosh, it's so hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like it's completely, <laughs> it is a completely different ballgame. Yep. Yes. To have been mm-hmm. a kid who has a kid since you were 16 yep. And then when you go to this place, this, you know, I don't know, this culture that's supposed to, you know, help you develop places and practices in which you can connect with the divine, it's like, well, so set aside 30 minutes of silence. And you're like, right. oh, hell no. no. Like, like, I'm out. I can't do that. You're listening to Upside Down, a podcast on spirituality and culture. No topic is off limits, so join us for unscripted conversations on God's upside-down kingdom. Well, I am Kayla Craig, and I am here today with my co-hosts, Lindsay Wallace and Elisa Molina, and we have two really cool guys um, joining us. They are authors. They are creators. It is Justin McRoberts and Scott Erickson. Guys, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you. I like the pause in my name. We Sweet. have, I know, I had to remember it. <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was the painter. I know, Scott. that's what we've been for, referring to you as Scott yep. the painter. And I forgot yeah, that you yeah. had an actual human last I'd like to think so. that there was just like a, a little bit of reverence you just gave me. <laughs> <laughs> Silent and awe. Silent and awe. <laughs> <laughs> Added in like a little like drum roll, a little, you know, like. <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we're really excited to have uh, Scott and Justin on on the show today because they wrote a book that feels really meaningful um, to mm. me, and I'll get into that later. But it's called Prayer, and so we thought we would bring them on to talk about prayer, but also talk about the creative process in God's kingdom. So, guys. I would love for you, we have bios and I'm happy to read them, but we love it when people kind of introduce themselves in their own words. So Justin, you want to go first and tell uh, our listeners a little bit about you? Yeah. So I've got two kids. Uh, I've got an eight-year-old boy and an almost two-year-old girl. She was born April 10th. Uh, So we're coming up on two years. Um, I'm, uh, I'm an author, uh, of this is the the prayer book is my third I guess the three point five is my third published book because <laughs> yeah. um, we did it before and, and then we did it again uh, and before that and kind of alongside that I played a lot of music from like ninety eight till you know, kind of up through now uh, at least like fifteen records played a lot of music in different parts of the country and mm. at the same time I planted a church beginning in nineteen ninety eight so I've, uh, I've pastored a church and been an elder in a church speaker teacher guy do a lot of retreat leading now. Um, I've got great neighbors. I enjoy being a neighbor. Yeah. So that's my life. And you host a podcast too, right, Justin? I do. I host what's called the at C podcast. At C is the at C, the at symbol. I went so I went super artsy with the with the title of the podcast. People are like, I can't find it on the internet. Um, <laughs> Your mom is like, where's the podcast? <laughs> I, no, I just, I'm no kidding. She was like, it was like episode four of season one. She finally came to me and goes, 
I can find it when you put it on Facebook, but <laughs> I can't just find it. I was like, damn it. So yeah, it's called at the at symbol SEA at C with Justin McRoberts. And it's one of the most enjoyable parts of my vocational life right now. Awesome. Well, we're glad to have you. And Scott Erickson, full stop. No, no pause. It's not, he is Scott the painter, but he's also Scott Erickson, the human. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I make my living as an artist. And when I tell people that they go, huh, how do you do that? And I go, I don't know. Um, mm. And that, <laughs> but because it always is kind of a, a mystery. I make, uh, so I'm an independent artist, illustrator, painter. I, I like to tell people it's a lot of little things that make something. So I don't even think of it as like, here's the things I do as much as here's the projects I'm working on right now. So, uh, yeah, I'm a co-author on a book and an upcoming book with Justin and hopefully more in the future. Um, I, I'm a designer, a painter, an illustrator. Um, I'm a speaker. I have uh, my second one-man show that I'm touring that's called Say Yes, A Liturgy of Not Giving Up on Yourself, which is this kind of experiential story, teaching, multimedia, musical, comedy stuff about in a way about the voice of giving up and and uh, the spectrum of giving up and what how that applies to our lives and that's been really fun and uh i spent <laughs> so uh so i travel and then when i'm home i'm home i have three kids eight six and ten months and my wife is a food blogger um mm. her blog's called the modern proper and she's fantastic it's so good um, yeah and so uh I spent all day mixing cement and putting it on a wall. So <laughs> by the time I sat down, I was just like, I'm, I'm literally like covered in dirt, which is, which is good. Um, it's, yeah. That makes me want to talk. So it's good. So yeah, I'm glad to be here. And that's uh, my ask. Yeah. My, I think Justin and I both have jobs that are kind of, um, which is maybe more of what it is nowadays. It's like, it's, it's not this nine to five. It's this, moment to moment weekends hours um work I, it's i kind of want to come back because everybody missed it when we first started talking that you all have like four and five kids because i my um i get together with a group of friends and we uh like that i went to college with and we all we rent this cabin and every year we get together without our kids and we always ask each other what's the best moment of your year and what's the worst moment of your year and uh, my answer this year was like the best moment of my year was the birth of my son Jones, and the mm. worst moment of the year was the birth of my son Jones. Because <laughs> because three is just like taking the legs out from under me, and just mm -hmm. the yeah. just the amount of just like kid management, home management. Mm -hmm. I often what's the what's the joke? The whole thing like having a third kid is like. It's like you know, being in 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 out in the ocean, drowning, and someone hands you a baby. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. A, that's a Jim Gaffigan quote. Where yeah. he's just, that's for five kids. He's like having five kids is like drowning, and then somebody handing you a baby. That's, that's what it was. Yeah, that's, that's basically what it feels like. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but that's why we, we need we, prayer. We to two moms to corroborate that. Yeah. yeah. Until they get older and then it gets, it, it's like the money spot. I just had my teenager come in and tell me that he put our, uh, 
youngest to bed last night and made sure that they prayed together. So I was like, yep, I'm oh, done. My yeah. That's awesome. uh, so it, it gets to wow. where it gets to where you kind of sit back and say, uh, okay, you guys, I've done a lot of work. Your turn. Yeah. 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 I remember when my daughter, she's six now, but when she turned four, it was like your head comes above water. You're like, oh, I remember mm. who I was. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And then when the baby was born, I was like, oh, see you later, self. So, no, you know, like, <laughs> it'll, it'll, it'll come back around. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Things, for back, sure. things like hobbies and um, I don't know. Brushing your teeth. No, brushing, brushing your teeth, your taking teeth. a shower. <laughs> yeah. This, these things. Can I ask? When you say teenagers, when you say teenagers, how old are your kids? So how old is your teenager? My, oh, he's 14. So I have ages five through 14. Uh, yeah. So I oh, have, you cover all of them, right? All, so of, I, all of the ages between five and 14. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Basically I have one who's, okay. he's about to start high school and then the five-year-old is about to start kindergarten next year. So I wow. literally have, but can I, I've just, um, hearing you guys talk, can I just cut in and ask, how do you guys know each other? Oh yeah. Uh, I'll start, Scott, and then you can pick it up. I, we we met uh, peripherally through um, a kind of a pair of mutual friends. One was, uh, well, yeah, mutual friend and a mutual friend institution, uh, Ecclesia in Houston. I was going through there with Don and Lori Schaffer from Waterdeep. We were on a tour. To, do you, you guys remember Waterdeep? No Waterdeep, the band? No. Um, <laughs> sweet, awesome. So there you go. Wait so my that up. I'm sure so I got these. So I got these. I got these friends, right? And they're like in a band. See? And, uh... <laughs> oh goodness, that's great. So I was on a tour with a band called Waterdeep, and Don and Laurie had a relationship with a guy named Chris C, who is the pastor of Ecclesia, where Scott was at the time on staff as an artist in residence, uh, and we crossed paths briefly then. Uh, and then off and on had sort of like over the internet kind of one or two degrees of separation until we finally collided at uh, a conference in Pittsburgh called Jubilee. And uh, mm-hmm. I had been really interested in Scott's work for a number of reasons. That's not just really excellent, but what he was doing with regards to creating uh, a culture and expression mm-hmm. for uh, for people to enter into. And Scott will dig more into it, like the, 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 you know, creating a, like a visual lexicon for the practice of faith. Um, I loved watching him do that. And I was trying to do something really similar with words. I watched his one man show, the first of his one man shows um, uh, called We're Not Trouble Guests in Pittsburgh and decided like, I want to, I want to put this project on the table and see if this guy wants to do it. And so we sat down in Pittsburgh like four or five years ago and birthed this book. Mm-hmm. Cool. Wow, nice. that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, we actually have a photograph of our, our first sit-down conversation, our friend Chris. Your first date? Yeah. Well, yeah. They, <laughs> at this conference, they have this, like, suite that um, everybody kind of who's involved goes up and hangs out in. And, yeah, we have this sit – just this – we're both sitting on the seat facing each other talking, and that was kind of the first time we mm-hmm. really, uh-huh. like, had a long conversation. And then, yeah, it led to, hey, we should uh, collaborate. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I love to hear those origin stories because you never yeah. know. Yeah. Like, how do you? No. How do people find each other? How do these connections happen? So it's fun to hear. Yeah. Well, I have to say before we start talking about because I do want to talk about prayer and I want to talk your about your book, but uh, I got a copy, um, a proof of the new published. How how did that come to be? That you guys made a book and then it 
became re-released. How did that work? Uh, <laughs> well, we so we did a Kickstarter um, with our with our peeps, our tribe, and they were very generous, and so we were able to produce the book, uh, like the first uh, printing of it, and then you know it was so we had this out our, on our own for about three years. And we would have to, we would like sell it on our own or we'd sell it through our shop. Uh, Justin and his wife, Amy, did the majority of like the shipping. You know, when you, it's co- you get more money, I guess, but you have to do all the work as mm-hmm. well. And, um, and then we did a couple more printings and um, we were starting to work on the second one. And I think by at this point, we had sold 8,000 copies on our own. Wow. And uh, we actually... I had run into a friend who's a pretty famous best-selling author and he, he was like, how's that book going? And I was like, Oh, we've sold like 8,000 copies. He's like, just, just go to a publisher and tell him you sold 8,000 copies and they'll give you a book deal. <laughs> so <laughs> we had the second book and we, 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 uh, I have a friend who ended up becoming our agent and she, and we, they were like, why do you want to get a book deal? And we're like, cause we're tired dads and we <laughs> are tired. Real, we, real life. Real life. And we were like, we just want a team to work with to help us on all the stuff that we don't do well, which is like the shipping and marketing and all that kind of stuff. And so, mm-hmm. um, so we put together a great proposal. Um, man, I, I want to, I want to applaud us because, <laughs> because do it. Like, I'd like to take a moment and celebrate us. No, here's if, if for the listeners out there, if you're going to do something and then so just be a unique snowflake. Like I think we made, uh, we made like a pitch deck and a hilarious video describing our book with like lots of jokes and stuff in it. And I remember even like our, one of our editors mentioned the other day is like, Oh, I still remember your pitch video, you know, because <laughs> it's a topic like prayer. You can get really like your voice can become really whispery and lispy and mm-hmm. just adjust a lot. And, um, and you just, uh, you know, and, and we came at it and being like full of our personality and like, we want to talk about prayer, but we, we've seen that this works with people and we want, now, it's just something we really cared about, but we didn't – anyways, our, just our personalities came in, and, and, uh, and so then that, that worked. And then uh, I hope none of our I, – I doubt any of our editors are going to listen to this, but, like, getting a book deal is, like, amazing and then, like, immediately disappointing. Like, it, it's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome, but then your creative licensing is all of a sudden in a larger group, and mm-hmm. – yeah you just are going to run into people who don't have the same taste as you or who've been in an industry for a long time. And they're like, we know mm-hmm. how to do things. We're like, oh, I don't know if that's true, but I mean, mm-hmm. you do, but, and so there's just, I mean, we work with a really great team and we've, we've made it through those hurdles and stuff, but mm-hmm. like it, yeah, um, it definitely is like uh, you, it's, it, it's not cruise control afterward. In no. fact, in fact, it's even, mm-hmm. um, it's even more of a hustle. Can I can I yes. share one more story about the that? Different kind of a hustle. Yeah, go. Like I, uh, so when the day that it came out, it re released. It was it snowed here in Portland, and we went sledding because school got canceled. And I was like, we gotta go to the bookstore and go see it because I knew it was gonna be at Barnes and Noble. And so we did. And I was like, in my, we were all in like our snow gear covered <laughs> covered in snow from sledding. And we walked into this bookstore and we asked about it, and the lady took us back to the section, and there it was in the wild. And we're like, oh my gosh, it's so cool. 
And then she was like, oh, you're the author. Do you want to sign this? And I was like, yes, I do. And I signed the books and put a sticker on it and all that jazz. And it was a really great moment. And then I immediately like looked around and was like, I am in this huge bookstore in a corner (laughs) on the bottom shelf, like, Mm. which is an accomplishment because I think the average sale of a book is 250 copies. Like everything you see in a bookstore is amazing. Um, It's like the best of the best in a certain way. And then there's like the best sellers of that. But Mm -hmm. it, all it did was go, nothing changed. You still have to talk to people and get it out there and share it with everybody you know. So we're really grateful for, um, to be working with our publisher and the distribution and all that kind of stuff. But Justin and I haven't stopped, um, doing the work of yeah of talking about it inviting people into it um and hence being on the phone with you um i think that i think i tell all that story just to go that's part of kind of like the process of creating something is that it never i mean until it hits some kind of zeitgeist and then just kind of zooms off on its own it's it's really always going to be something that you're gonna Mm. work on work on and working with and yeah when i so when i was with five minute walk records for a bunch of years the the guy who ran five minute walk records named frank tate and he's still one of my he's still like a, a precious mentor of mine and frank would never let his bands or artists like get managers uh until they had enough enough going on to justify it um and what happened with the book was you know, we've all done some creative enterprises, some sort of creative endeavors. And like, there are times when like a thing will work and it'll go about as well as you think it should. And it'll work kind of in the direction you think it's going to go. And then there are times when like a thing does have this kind of other energy and buzz to it where there was something else in it. And I, I think Scott and I were hearing the right thing. The way I would say it, it's like we were hearing the voice of God saying, here's a thing, like mm. oh, pay attention to this, invest in this. And I, w- I want to take this some places. And it just became clear that there is the, there is some magic in this, not because of us and our magicalness, but God's doing something really interesting and good in the lives of people who don't find a home in institutional practices anymore, who have maybe kind of separated themselves from some institutional spaces. And this started to collide with some of those folks in, in some of those places. And, and what we realized is if we really wanted make a full investment, make a real go at letting this book take off and bless people that we don't know yet beyond our own tribe, we've got to put it in someone else's hands. So we'd sort of earn the right to pass this along to someone else. And the way Frank used to say, like, don't just go out and get a deal and get help until you need help. We need help to let this thing go the way and the pace it was supposed to go. Mm. Yeah. And, And I'm so glad you guys did because then it found its way in my mailbox and I um, was home for a brief moment, checking my mail, taking care of three kids while my daughter was in the um, intensive care unit and she has special needs and she got double pneumonia and was in the hospital um, really, really, really sick, was on life support. Um, and it was a really, really hard time. And that's actually why we had to push back this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had the I had the book and I threw it in my hospital bag as I was getting a change of clothes and making the switch. My husband and I traded off days and nights. Um, so somebody was always with her. And I brought this book up and um, I didn't have any words to pray. Mm-hmm. I had mm-hmm. seen my daughter 
code. I had seen doctors rush in. I had seen the worst of the worst and I didn't really know what to even pray because prayer felt yeah. really um, kind of meaningless to me mm, <laughs> at, yeah. at, at that point. And it was um, a space that I never had ever expected to be in. And I realized this is when I really have to figure out what I even believe, because am I going to mm. believe that God is God no matter what happens? Mm. And um, I flipped open your book and it was just so um healing. It was something to cling to when I felt like I had nothing else to cling to. And um, my husband's a pastor. <laughs> like I'm very well churched. Mm-hmm. But when it came down to it and I felt like I didn't even know people were like, we're praying. And I'm like, I don't even know what you should be praying. You know, mm-hmm. like <laughs> having these existential questions about what do I what do I believe? What do I pray? Mm -hmm. How do I pray? Have I been praying Mm -hmm. the wrong way all along? All of these things. So just on a personal note, thank you guys for what you did because I've never seen, I've never seen anything like this with, with Mm. these images and then these very simple prayers. And then it goes through um, different meditations. It just, it was what I needed at the right time. So I, I love hearing that. I'm, and I'm so glad. And, and you, I mean, your story, sharing it online and speaking of applauding, you know, you and, and, and what courage it takes you and humility it takes you to put your stuff, your journey online for both Scott and I, like, that's an honor. Mm-hmm. Like, and again, those are the kind of risks like you take as an artist when you hand your stuff over to someone else to say, I'm going to send this out in the world. That's the thing that like, we don't, we don't get that shot to be a part of your story. Mm. Um, unless we like say to <laughs> Waterbrook Multnomah, like, I-, I think we've exhausted our resources. What can you do with it? And part of what they were to do with this, put in a place where it could be become part of your story. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a stupid, 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 good gift yeah. for us. So thanks mm. for letting us in. Yeah, I think kind of what Kayla's pointing to when I was looking at the book earlier, after I stole it off my daughter's bookshelf, is it it's mm. these very I mean it's it's short and it's succinct, right? But it's cut straight to the heart of the human experience, and you guys are able mm. to put words and images to these really intimate moments and thoughts like what Kayla was just describing, but also Mm. this really common human experience. And I just wonder how you have cultivated that in your own life. It kind of strikes me as, as you, as like you have this um, knack for paying attention, but maybe that's not Mm. what it is, but I'm just curious, like, how do you cultivate that? That's that's a great that's, I mean, that's the job of the artist is to pay attention. Sure, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of it started with Justin, so he can um, describe his process with the words for sure. You, this is, you know, Scott and I talk a lot about our, our practice and process as artists and, and both budding spiritual directors and, and uh, the whole notion that like you make what you want to see in the world mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. this, this for me, like I've done a lot and uh, I've like, I'm happy with the work I've done. This work, um, it feels the, feels like the closest, like fullest expression of that idea mm-hmm. that like, this is what I, so when I started posting these prayers, this is what it sounds like for me to pray. So if there's a, if there's a sense of intimacy here, I, and this is how, this is how I work as a, as a reader is like, don't try to connect with me. 
tell me your story. Don't, mm-hmm. don't try to make something that works for me. What's in you? Do that really, really well and as succinctly as you can. And I'm going to recognize the work of God, the, the work of the Spirit in, in you, in your personal life, in, in your heart, in a way that resonates with me. And I think that's part of what happens with this. That these were prayers, especially at the outset. Like, this is what I needed to pray. I needed it. I, as you can hear it in the way I answer questions. Like he could talk forever, <laughs> and, and I could. Like I'm a words person. Like like English major, philosophy minor. Like, yeah. and I just, I was sick of it. A pastor of a church, and 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 not in some bad way, but it's like you know the way Kyla you're describing. Like I'm around this. I'm around this shit all the time, but I don't have any like emotional resonance mm-hmm. with it. I needed to pare it all down. Be like, what's actually in me? Can I? just enough, just enough to stir in me. And so the prayers got shorter and shorter and shorter. And so instead of this long elaborate prayer about like, come rescue me where I am, it's more like, you know, may I find freedom and limitation to fully give myself to what I can do rather than worry about what I can't. Boom, done. That's what I've got. And that's as succinct as I can make it. And that's what I need to be praying. And like, I think what readers pick up is like, that sounds like it came from a human being. Mm. It helps that it's not complicated. I mean, you know, we're about to embark on Lent and just this idea of kind of like stripping things down and just getting to like Mm. the point Mm. of it all. I think, especially in like this age where like there's availability of all the things all the time. Sometimes you Mm -hmm. just need that simplicity at, and like she said, just like at the heart of what is needed. And everything's just pared down. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think there's some, um, there's, uh, I've been, Justin and I have been having a lot of discussions because we're, because we're co-authors and we've been doing some podcasts and interviews and, uh, but I have been thinking about uh, just why do we stop praying? Like, why do you, mm. um, why does it just kind of slowly exit your life? And mm-hmm. um I had a similar, as the story was told about finding, like just being caught off guard and like, I don't, I don't have any words. I had a similar experience where uh, a good friend of mine had uh, passed or had died because of cancer. And I went on a trip with the pastor I work with and some other guys and the husband of her. And we kind of to Jerusalem and we had a bit of, we did a project, but we did a bit of a pilgrimage together. And I found myself at the wailing wall. Mm-hmm. at one moment and I was and I had all these things I wanted to say to God or I wanted to like express everything to God I was like well, there's no other sacred place in the world I can imagine except for this spot and I walked up to the wall and I put my hand on it and I I, I went to attempt to get all that out and I just was met with silence mm-hmm. like silence for, on my end like my my tongue just dried up yeah and I didn't know what to say and then silence on the other end and then and it was this like really disappointing moment of just going, I don't, I don't know what even to do. And then, mm-hmm. and then I think, you know, usually at our low is when this like, when kind of grace sneaks in and this like Jewish man that came up next to me and he had like the, the hat and the curls and the tassels and the coat and the whole thing. And he just began singing this really guttural song. Like I didn't even, I've never heard a person sing like that. And it was just this deep mournful lament and I remember just, I mean, he's like a foot next to me and I just sat there listening to him and then, and then 
then these words just kind of emerged out of me. And I said, God, I don't know what he's praying. I just know that he's singing my song. So can I just let him pray for the both of us? And I think one of the things that happens to us while we while prayer slowly exits is because we think that we have to have all the words, that it's all up to us to have all these words all the time. And, and some seasons we do. We wake up, we express, we have so much to express, gratitude, lament, all, the whole spectrum. And then... And then often we have seasons in life where we don't have anything. And we're like, I don't, I'm, I, I'm speechless. I don't even know what, where to start. And one of the, I think the things that is helpful is we have this massive tradition of prayers written by other human beings that we can just go, they already said it. I just want to say what they said, because that is exactly where I'm at right now. And that's what the Psalms are. That's what, um, you know, the prayers of the saints and, and mm-hmm. the liturgical prayers and these calendar prayers. That's it's all supposed to help us with that. Um, I think I think though that we always need to um, it, p- part of part of our faith practices is is constantly to contextualize um, what's going on mm-hmm. and then and then yeah. and then figure out if we need new words and new images, new songs. And I think what Justin and I, you know. As an as artists, we we will never invite people to be transformed by something that hasn't already transformed us. And so we both uh, had been like just going, "How do I pray?" And Justin was like, you know, bringing these words down. And I, as a visual guy, I, I mean, I I love words too, but I I was like, where are I don't know. I just these prayer images were coming out of me, and these mm-hmm. like ways of like saying so much but in what you know the the work of design is to try to get it as simple as possible but have so much content in that simplicity and that is what I was trying to do and I found like I started making these like visual prayers and that and that was a lot of um my work and so um I think what we're not we're just what we're offering is something that we needed which was in the history of humans, we needed to contextualize what it felt like to be in our own skin and what it meant to approach um, that God right now and what were the tools we had for that and what were the words and the images. And um, and then when we when we put it all together, we're like, this works, then we just shared it with people. But yeah, I, I, I think there's um, that I don't have the words. I think another thing too that we get stumble that we get caught up in is that we think we have to be somebody else, and and that is and that is the, like the religious version of us that we never really feel comfortable in. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and we have uh, there's. I just told the story. Justin had never heard it, uh, but I have this relative um, that when we'd have dinners. He we he would get asked to pray because we'd be at his house, and he's a really great guy. But then this like mousy, really lispy voice would come out of him, and be like, <laughs> he'd just go, "Dear Jesus," um, and just <laughs> my wife and I are just like looking at each other, like, "What is this voice? I've never heard this." It's like, oh, that's his prayer voice because that. It's his Disney voiceover voice. Yeah, it's like, oh, because now I'm going to talk about God, or I'm going to, I'm going to be somebody different because now we're going to yeah. talk about religion, or and 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 we don't, we actually, we're actually disconnected a lot of the time because we're we think that we have to be this other thing, and it and really the work is to understand that 
like faith is resting in in the trueness of yourself like faith is just resting mm-hmm. in, in the providence of god and the trust of god but also just in the belief that i'm okay to approach god just right now um i've just been talking for a long yeah. time anybody want to add anything <laughs> Well, I was I was going to pop in because in the book, um, Justin and Scott, you kind of lay out different practices that mm-hmm. you can take away with. And, you know, you're kind of like, it might work for you. It might not. It might change depending on kind of where you're at and what you're going through. But you kind of um, lay them out as journaling, exercise, fasting, meditation, lament, and intercession. Mm-hmm. And just wondering all of you um where do you find yourself kind of gravitating toward right now is there a certain place where you're leaning lament (laughs) 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 i'd I'd like to second that (laughs) yeah yeah i uh this is a you know however people read or don't read the you know evidences for or little signposts of the activity of the divine a few weeks ago uh my friend christy clute who's actually a fantastic writer um uh, and blogger uh, asked me to to guest blog on her um uh her any recite and i wrote about anger uh, in in prayer like when i sat down thinking like what do i really have to say like right now um it was that it was it it was like like i because i have anger uh, about a whole number of things and I'm, I've been carrying mm. it and you know I'm 45 years old I've been tr- I've been trying to follow Jesus since I was 18 uh, and I still don't feel there still is just not a, a whole lot of training about like hey when you're mad what is that actually about it's it's, it's almost always like hey when you're done being mad then let's mm. work out the stuff that makes yes. you mad as opposed to like hey you're mad that probably has some redemptive element to it. Like, so, uh, I, there, it, it's anyways, this, I, without getting into all the details, a whole truckload of stuff has caught up with me in the past 18 months or so. Um, and some of it is sociopolitical and some of it is deeply social and deeply interpersonal mm. and some of it is vocational. And this is just one of the seasons, right? Like when you, you hit, you get hit by it. And, Learning to allow, I was praying through the, what's called the welcoming prayer. Um, and Scott and I have been talking about it a little bit as well, where I could just, the, a lot of my prayer life right now is like, okay, what am I actually feeling? What is that actually about? What is that leading me to? Mm. Can I not over identify with that and just let myself sit in that? Mm. And if there is something that you have for me in this, then you better damn well be clear because all I am is pissed. Amen. Amen. And that's it. And that's been a lot. That's been like that's been – and it's only – it really is. And this is part of why the cultural – this is why – going around the circle here. But it's part of why creating a book was became important to make an artifact because there's something about the cultural training and cultural artifacts and institutional settings that say it's okay for you to be where yes. you are. Here's what that might look like. It's okay. For, it's like if someone puts it up at a blog post or a Facebook post, that's one thing. But if it gets preached from the front, if it gets – put down, put down in a book that gets pushed out by a major publisher, it says something else. Like it's not just okay. It's institutionally and culturally okay for you to pray a prayer that ends with, Hey God, show up. I'm angry. Yeah. Uh, and that's where I, that's like, that's where I've been 
in like really in the last few months and I feel fine being there. I'm not stoked on a whole lot of life, but I'm, I know I'm loved in my anger. That's great. Thank you for sharing that, Justin. You're welcome. Yeah. I appreciate you. <laughs> are we going around the horn are we all going to answer that question we're going around i'm going to make you all answer i mean really yeah. that answer kind of just i kind of feel creeped out like have you been like stalking me because that's exactly how i've been feeling so i wouldn't call i wouldn't call it stalking i mean it, that's <laughs> a strong word i feel like I feel like it's a really strong, really strong word. It's an interest. Why can't we call it an interest? Well, well, Lindsay, I'm going to put you in the hot seat because I, I'm going to say that you probably are relating a lot. To I that am. As well. Repeat the question, though. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So there, you know, there's a lot of different practices, and um, you know, journaling, exercise, mm-hmm. fasting, meditation, lament, intercession. Is there something that you're gravitating toward right now? kind of in your prayer life for lack of a better term true um yeah I mean I'm angry too I think I'm at the point where I was joking with a friend saying my favorite um stage of grief is anger um (laughs) my grief stage of choice uh yeah but yeah I think I you know like I've sat with it and I'm coming to terms with the fact that I'm really just sad and disappointed in mm-hmm. God and not afraid to say that but navigating um kind of what you guys were talking about in terms of like putting yourself out there you know mostly on the internet um other people aren't okay with me not being okay and so how do I navigate that sort of like Inner per- interpersonal, um, cultural, like communal prayer. Um, when people just kind of the sense that I get is people want me to just hurry up and be okay, and I'm not, mm. and I'm also okay with not being okay, and trying to give other people that same permission. So I yep. think my um, like kind of prayer and interactions with God is like being really intentional about my kids. And I just talked about this today. Like how do we fill, (laughs) this is a analogy for, you know, um, grade school, but like, how do we fill our love bucket? Like how do we put ourselves in positions where we feel loved by God? What does that look like for us? And so like, we're going to go on a lot of hikes this spring and we're going to, go rock climbing and we're gonna you know do a lot of art and read poetry and whatever like we're gonna put ourselves in positions where we're like overwhelmed with this sense of how much god loves us because frankly right now we're we're i am questioning that you know like i'm questioning the Mm -hmm. circumstances it doesn't feel loving but i know that's not true i know god loves me so i'm gonna put myself in the woods (laughs) under the trees where i can look up and go no, you do. You're still there. You you do love me. And this is, you're, you're good, yeah. you know? So it's, for me, it's like yeah. really experiential right now because, yeah, I've gone through that anger and now I'm just sad <laughs> and trying to work. Wait, and what I love about that is like, that's a, you're practicing the thing, yeah. right? That's like, like you practice, right. to practice being loved is a thing. Like that's an actual thing to practice being loved and to, per- to yeah. practice receiving it love is. is an actual practice. We tend to think of being loved as a thing that happens in passivity, yeah. 
but like isn't the breakdown in like the vast majority of relationship the inability of the one person to receive what the other person is actually mm. giving like like to sort of practice being loved and to put yourself in a position to receive and to want to receive and actually step into that like that's that's a real life spiritual practice. I yeah, love that. Absolutely. That's the willingness. You know, like I'm trying, that's again, like working with my kids, like you have to be willing, like God lets us choose and we have to be willing to like put ourselves in those positions where we feel his love. Yeah. I just have to say one of my favorite um, quotes and is from a, one of my favorite authors ever, Madeline Lee Ingle, And she talks about anger and I, have clung to that in the past uh, few months. And she says, sometimes I get very angry at God and I do not feel guilty about it because the anger is an affirmation of faith. You cannot get angry at someone who is not mm. there. Mm, and I, I felt the, uh, that idea permeating as I, you know, looked at these images and sat with them and sat with these little kind of micro prayers <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and thought about that, you know, like just because I'm angry or because I'm in this space of grief or lament and sadness does not mean that there is not a creator who mm. is, is not with me. Yeah. That's good. That's really good. Uh <laughs> Well, I'm also angry. Uh, we should start a support group. This is just like an anger. This, this, this is, is this an is anger support, support group. group. Anger if you're group. angry at God, yeah. sign up. Uh, no. I actually uh, have gone a little different route. Um, I'm not angry at God. I'm angry and I'm letting God um, shine light on that and see it. So, okay. Uh, it might help to tell a story. I remember... Um, when I worked in Houston, I was going to preach on the weekend and I got away for a night at the beach at this friend's beach house. And, uh, my wife and son were out of town. And, uh, so my friend Taylor was like, Hey, can I come with you? And I was like, yeah, but I got to work on my talk and stuff, but it'd be fun to hang out. So yeah, you can come. And he's like, Oh, I got some stuff to work on too. So he was doing some things like that. And, and we were, I was working and I remember he came into the room and he goes, he, he had been just like working on some spiritual stuff himself. And he goes, he goes, you know, I just want God to tell me what to do. I don't really want him to love me because if I let him love me, he would love me as I am. And if I let him love me as I am, I'd have to see where I'm at. And I don't really want to see that. So I'll just, I just rather he tell me what to do. And then he like burst into tears or he just started like, maybe didn't burst into tears, but he just started crying and he just like walked outside and walked on the beach for like a couple hours. And it was really impactful. We talked about it afterwards, but there it was, was like, so it wasn't like a mic drop. It was like a gentle mic set down. <laughs> right? it, was, it was like he was working on this, he was working on this essay and he just realized he was like, I'm, I'm the issue. Mm. And I, so I'm in the spot where, uh, like, okay, so I, like, I'm an artist because I'm a haunted person. Like I, uh, <laughs> like things come to me all the time and they're like, make me and real life. Oh, and I love it. I'm, I'm just trying to like release the haunting. And I've had some like massive downloads the last couple of weeks like really good things. And I'm just, I want to get to that. And then I'm confronted with like six loads of laundry Mm -hmm. and home renovation and school and baby caring and all. And I just am like angry at all of it. And so I'm having to look at 
um, that anger and it's, and it's this like desired outcome of my life or what I'd rather do this problem, probably like, um, identity that's tied a lot in production mm-hmm. and, yeah. and those are hard things to look at. Yeah. And I, I, even today, I just, I told my wife, I was like, I need to go on a little walk. And I went on a little walk and I was just, I was allowing myself to see the place that I was angry in. And I felt so ashamed. Um, and I, and I, and I had this feeling and I felt so ashamed and I felt like God was in, like, because of like, I was in God's presence and I had had every reason to be ashamed, but I realized that it was like, no, it's because I'm really seeing this thing in me and I'm ashamed. I'm let down by my own desire to be perfect or complete or whatever. Mm. The shift needed to move. So, so Carl, Carl Jung says this, he says, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will rule your life and you will call it fate. Or you could say it will rule your life and you will call it God. I hear people in their talk all the time like, well, God doesn't like this about me or God this or God that. And you're like, mm, I think that's just you. Yeah. Uh, and it it takes a lot to to navigate all the voices to go, oh, this is just me feeling shame myself or this is me just being disappointed in myself that's not the voice of god mm-hmm. and yeah. it's tying into what you're saying before is like we have to practice listening to the voice of god and discerning like we're like oh that sounds like god it's like that's not god god god's loving that's not a loving mm-hmm. voice. That's not god's and really in the going that's my voice that's trying to be god that's trying to hide through some like some fake penance or something Instead mm-hmm. of really allowing God to shine a light on it and go, you are my son who I love and am well pleased, even though as I'm looking at you nakedly right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I think that's the real work of a deep kind of contemplative prayer is allowing that hidden side of us that that is working in so many ways to allow that to be shown in the light and, and it to be received and loved and healed. Um, so my anger is this kind of like, touch point to that deeper conversation which gets into like scarcity or i gotta get this done because i gotta make it into something yeah because i gotta make money you know it's all it's all tying into this like survival calculating self yeah um versus like i had to calm down and be like you know you actually probably just needed a day off today and <laughs> that's, that's really what's going on <laughs> you're right anyways yeah, Man, that's so relatable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Elisa, you have anything to add? I'm, I'm really curious to hear, kind of, from our Catholic perspective. <sighs> I think you know. I think part of it for me is just that it, the changing season of my life is kind of dictating a difference. I think there was like a lot of hectic uh, nature of raising, you know, five kids, and now that they're a little bit self sufficient, I'm finding that my prayer life is kind of kind of getting into a space of silence learning how to be silent and just uh, sitting with Jesus and just uh, befriending him in a way that, you know, doesn't sound very much like me, like begging him to get me through whatever it is that, you know, is the next hard Hmm. thing. And so for the last, I guess, several months, uh, I am just trying to, and also I'm just not that great at silence. Like that's just not my strong 
That's just not my strong mm-hmm. suit. I like to talk. I like just having you guys to talk to today has been excellent because I love words. I love the power of them. I love what they mean. They're, <laughs> you know, they can be beautiful. They could, I mean, so, so for me, words have always been something very important. And so I have had to learn to give him room and space and silence mm. to work in me and through me. And so I have, I usually fill up the space between us. I'm like, okay, God, so here it is. These are the things. Let's work on this or let's do this. And there's been very little space for me to just sit and just be with my friend. He's my best friend. So I need to, the way that I can sit in silence with my husband or with my best friend, I'm trying to discipline myself and practice just Mm. being in that space right now. Mm. That's really good. Yeah. It's hard. I can do it like at two minutes at a time. (laughs) It's yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, when we had the book out, when we were working on our second book, which is may it be so based on the Lord's prayer um, comes out in September. uh, We, we were doing the Lord's prayer. uh, Justin and I were focusing on it, putting stuff together. And I remember right before Jesus gives the Lord's prayer, he he says this line, like your father in heaven already knows everything you need before you ask it. And, (laughs) And that just makes me go, well, what do we pray about then? (laughs) It feels like I should have this long list of stuff that I got to work through and I got to pray for those missionaries in another country or they'll die. And I got to pray for all the leaders and, you know, it's just like this laundry list of stuff. And so, Mm -hmm. um, I started just waking up early, um, before kids got up and just making a cup of coffee and sitting in my living room and go and just going what do you want to talk about yes yes and I just like I'm going to trust this verse says you already know so what do you want to talk about and I did that for like a year and it was a lot of mundane times but some really profound things as well and and really and what I think you're getting to is practicing the the, what we'd say the presence of God but just the awareness and the sovereignty of God Mm -hmm. in your life and just like I'm choosing to rest in this. I don't need words to fill the space because I, I'm already known. And is in that what what kind of did did you see any like transformation in you or? Um, yeah, or I mean, did, I think what, it's what exactly. Yeah, I think it's exactly what you're saying. It's just like I I'm recognizing the divine that is just here and with me and leading and invested and, uh, you know, cares about all those things that he knows are groaning within me and just kind of practicing, um, you know, stopping the, the crazy that is just, I, you know, I have to do this and I have to do that. Just beginning my day with let's, let's just, let me just be, can I just, Mm. can I just be, and, and, yep. and I'm, and like you guys are saying, like I, just as I am in like the nakedness and the bear, it is, it is enough. It is precious. And just spending that time with him is helping me to really, uh, return to myself and return to him because mm, yeah. there's quiet and there's stillness there. That's really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you, what has, um, how did you, how did y'all, um, as moms, um, cause I'm actually trying to practice this now. I'm curious. Um, cause, uh, my, 
I so last year before the birth of our son, I did this like Ignatian prayer practice called the Nineteenth Annotation. Do, do five hours a week of these kind of meditations and and stuff like that. And it was a real, it was a real. Uh, can't think of the word. You know, it, it, it was a real, it was a real thingamajig. No, it was a real. Um, it was tough. It was tough to do. It was like nine months long. It was a real humdinger. You, the word you're looking, I, I swear to God, the word you're looking for is humdinger. It was a real humdinger. Um, there you go. I think that was from Saint Ignatius himself. Um, it was a real humdinger. Here to hear first. My <laughs> my uh, my uh, youngest son is getting up really early now, and so I'm finding a lot of that time isn't available. But I was just telling Justin the other day, I was like, I'm trying to apply everyday moments as prayer. Mm. Um, even though like there's somebody else around or there's some kid I got to watch or there's something I got to do. Um, did you, I'm curious how that worked out with y'all as, as motherhood kept expanding. Um, did you feel a disconnect because you thought prayer has to be this aloneness and silence or this reading a daily bread journal or uh, my utmost first highest or something like that? Or did you find ways to find it in the chaos of everything? Gosh, I think it's just a constant yeah. reinvention of like this, like I love this new, I don't know if it's a new term or whatever, but just to talk about your seasons of life, like that has been so freeing for me to realize that like this part right here is not going to last for a, it is a season. And so to adjust with the flow of the seasons of life has been so freeing to me. I wish I would have known it Mm. as a young mother. When I was a younger mother, it just felt like, Oh, this is like, this is never going to end. Like, this is it. It's over. (laughs) (laughs) But it's over. over. But like, but like to understand that there are seasons and that, that that really has helped my prayer life to be like, okay, I'm just going to be really crappy at it right now. Mm. Yeah, I like I like that you went Bill Paxson from <laughs> from Aliens. It's over, guys. over. Exactly what it felt like. <laughs> Kayla, what you got? Well, I'm thinking about it, and I'm thinking that I don't know. I didn't grow up in like a a church setting where I was told that prayer had to be X, Y, Z. So I didn't come in with a lot of prayer baggage, maybe, maybe thinking that what it looked like to, to raise children and to be a person who prays is to get out a journal and a Bible every morning, which is what my mother-in-law did. (laughs) Uh, But I just didn't have that in my mind. So I feel grateful for that. Mm. I feel like every time I'm combing my daughter's curls, it's a prayer. It's, Mm. it's me touching, you know, it's like this humanity, right? Like Mm. every time I'm even like wiping a nose, that's somehow a prayer. That's a connection between me and, and, you know, there's times where it's like, guys, get to bed, be quiet. That, that doesn't feel very prayerful, but there are moments that are really precious, you know? And, and I think that those precious moments don't have to be something profound. They can be this daily ritual that we do every day. And it's saying like, I see God in you. There is God in me. Like we are together. There's kind of a communal aspect. Um, And, you know, there are times where it doesn't look like doing a lot of quiet time and I would Mm -hmm. love some quiet time, but that's just not 
going to no. happen. There, right. I can't leave my kids alone <laughs> right. in the house and go take a walk. <laughs> like, yeah, that would not be a good idea. Yep. So, you know, there are times when that's hard and we have to lean on each other and our community and our neighbors. Yep. And we, if we have spouses, them too, because we're not meant to do this life alone, no. you know? But I think for me, there is this kind of beautiful holiness in these moments that can easily be passed up yeah. in, in the rush yeah. of life. And your context matters. And we, we, I just had a really great conversation. I'm, I'm, I get to be a part of this um, spiritual formation cohort that is a, a, a kind of a new expression of the young life world. And one of the, one of the persons uh, in this cohort in Atlanta uh, works with urban staff, she's African-American and she, part, of, part of what she goes after in this conversation was like, you know, so much of the conversation, the language about spiritual formation and religious practice is an extension and expression of privilege. Yes. Oh, so, yes. Like, okay. Preach on it. Let's the, go. That, that, that <laughs> when, when it comes to, the, and you're getting after it, like specifically with something like silence, I mean, you're like, it's one thing for, for us, right? As like suburban white parents to be like, oh my gosh. It's so hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like it's completely, it is a completely different ballgame. Yep. Yes. To have been mm-hmm. a kid who has a kid since you were 16. Yep. And then when you go to this place, this, you know, I don't know, this culture that's supposed to, you know, help you develop play, places and practices in which you can connect with the divine, it's like, well, so set aside 30 minutes of silence. And you're like, right. oh, hell no. no. Like, like, I'm out. I can't do that. So your context, your context matters. Absolutely. Like even, even, even in this, even like the newness and the freshness of like spiritual formation and spiritual direction, all this stuff, like we can institutionalize and we can fundamentalize freaking anything. Yeah. And so instead of it being about what James Martin says, which is like prayer, like the right way to pray is whatever works yeah. for you. Literally like what mm. works and being able to yeah. settle into that contextually, like what works right now as a mom or what works right now as a mom with two jobs, what works, like what's actually working right now, which, and I'll come all the way back around. This is like, this is part of why Christianity is a cultural of discipleship and culture of discipleship and community. Cause it really does take someone near you who knows your life to say, here's what prayer looks like for you in your life. I know this is what you want. You want to be able to set aside 20 minutes, 15 minutes every morning. You want your daily bread thing, but you know, that's not possible. So where is it actually working in your life? I know it, I know that it takes like 15 minutes for you to drive to work. What are you doing in the car at that time? Or I know this is what's happening here in your house, like to actually have someone in your life who could point at the spaces and the places where it might actually happen and contextualize the prayer under the banner of whatever it is that works for you right now in the season, just chase that down. And then when the season changes, let it go. It used to be that thing that looks like the rest of the world. And now it looks like this, it looks like no one, you know, and then the next season will look like something else. But what is it that works for you? Like that's the freedom that comes from the essence of prayer, which is the love of God. I think another piece of that freedom for me anyway, is finding beauty in places that I didn't see it before. And so allowing yeah. like that to be prayer, like, and, and I've intentionally lived in difficult places that like most people would say are beautiful. Right. But like I can find beauty in an abandoned house with busted out windows because I see God at work in that place, or I can find beauty in all sorts of mm-hmm. things because I've, 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 uh, 
I mean, one, it's it's having eyes to see, but it's also like giving yourself the freedom, like permission almost. Like, right. I'm going to view this as prayer because it is. Because if it's beautiful, it came from God. And so I can, mm. I can like just feel freedom and permission to experience God walking on crack sidewalks or, you know, whatever the case may be. Yeah. And like kind of that what you're speaking to, like this these very privileged ways that we talk about it. Like we have as privileged people so much to learn from those on the margins who continue to find hope in the Lord in what most of us would deem hopeless situations. Mm -hmm. And so for us to be willing and able to submit ourselves to that kind of leadership, to that kind of like, going to church on Sunday for five hours and praising the Lord because it's where you feel free. And when you leave, you're oppressed. Like, man, I have so much to learn from that, you know? And so there's just a lot of freedom when you just, just let that other stuff go. I found that, you know, when we were in the hospital, a lot of prayers felt empty to me. Other people saying, I'm praying for you. And I'm like, you have no idea. Like you have no idea of what it's like to be in this right Mm. now. But the people that I knew, I trusted their prayers were my friends who are refugees. And when they said, I'm praying for you, God is God and God is good. This sucks, but God is good. I was like, I believe you, (laughs) you know, and I just, I don't know. Like there's something powerful because it's really easy to say like, oh, I have, you know, and you know, I'm not like lambasting prayer journals and stuff. I think that's amazing. And that is, but they they have their place. But it's really, right. Yeah. And so I just felt like it's really easy to say, well, I wrote my name down in this journal that that's who I'm praying for. And I shut the journal and I go on with a really convenient privileged life. And I have been there. I have been that person. So now to, to come around and experience suffering in a different way, it really, it opened my eyes to some of that privilege. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know we have to kind of wrap up our conversation, which really kind of sucks because this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> so good job but i i have a couple questions and i'm just going to combine it all spin it up and see see yeah. where it takes us um why is art important in god's kingdom and why is prayer important in god's kingdom oh hit it scotto um why is art important in god's kingdom i feel like that's who's asking that are you asking that do you not know <laughs> who are we answering this for well it might help us to describe like define what art is because if we just think art is like paintings in a gallery yeah i don't know i don't know how to answer that for for me art is the artifact of human experiences it's 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 a it's what human beings like i mean the earliest thing we know about human beings is they found themselves in a cave and they decided to make drawings of animals. That's the, like the earliest thing we know of <laughs> human beings on this planet. And so there's some kind of this, this need that, that our experiences live in us and they, and they, they want to come through us outward and like, and, 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 and that process through us is the process that transforms us. And then when we offer that transformation, it becomes a gift to others. So I think um, why it's important is it just because it's 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 uh, it's how we're transformed, and yep. um, and we need to and and there are those that 
become really skilled and, 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 and are people who can articulate it well. This is what happens when you're in your car and like a song comes on and you're like, ho, 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 this is my song. And you turn it up really loud and you sing along. What you're saying is sonically and lyrically, the artist figured out what it feels like to be in your skin yeah. or what you hope to be. Oh, I love that. And it's helping you get in touch with your humanity and your incarnation yes. and your embodiment. Yeah. And so there are women and men who excel at that. And we, you know, we go, hey, Bob Dylan, you're killing it. Or, hey, um, uh, Mary Oliver, we miss you because you gave so many words to what we hope is in the world and your poems ring true to us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so that, I think that's, 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 the, that's the magic of why that stuff needs to be there. Is, yeah. it, is it has it doesn't have much other function than to <laughs> than to transform us, which turns out to be so essential in our life. Yeah. 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 I would only add, you know, Seth Godin says that art is anything that facilitates human connection. Mm. And so to talk about art it, in the broader sense, why is art important is because to talk about art, to think of our lives in more artful terms actually challenges us to believe that what we make and do in the world matters. Mm-hmm. That if you're making sandwiches, okay. it matters. That if you're making if you're creating and facilitating a household, you're actually creating a space for human flourishing among littles. Mm-hmm. And that matters that you do that because not everyone does that and not everyone does that well. And I agree with Scott. Like it like we draw this line is like, well there are people who do these traditional things in the painting and the poems and all that kind of stuff. That stuff is great and it's important. It's a particular and it's a wonderful expression. Part of the other thing that ought to service, you know, normals like me is like, hey, the reason this matters, it, like, like this painting matters in the same way. And there are different metrics in different cultural spaces, but like it matters in the same way as you like as the art of learning, uh, teaching kid how to swing a bat, like the art of teaching, uh, of being a dad, the art of, you know, yeah, like of, <laughs> of managing uh, a household and facilitating human connection in a neighborhood of being a neighbor. Like it's the same thing. You're, you're facilitating human connection mm-hmm. and prayer is, it like lands right smack dab in the middle of that same, in, in the same sphere. Prayer matters because that's just, it's what's happening. Like it's, we are making art all the time. We don't think about it like art. And so we don't pay attention to it in ways that we should. And we lose a sense of our own personal value and the value for what we make in the world. Cause we just think it's just the crap we do, but it's not, it's art and it's necessary. Mm. Similarly, prayer is not the thing you do. Like the essence of prayer is the love of God in Christ, period. That's it. Everything beyond that is secondary. Prayer is what's happening. Like there's a conversation happening between you and the divine in your heart, in your body, in your mind, in your household, in your neighborhood, in the politics that dictate whether or not teachers get paid. Mm -hmm. Like prayer is what prayer is actually the thing that is happening. Recognizing that means we need getting to not we need to, but that we get to step into it and recognize the essential and like intrinsically valuable nature of our lives. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, I am in that. <laughs> well, I'm in that. yeah, I, I think that's a great note to end on. If we have to, if we have to stop, okay, <laughs> I guess we'll stop. But you've given us a lot to think about and we're really grateful. Can you guys let us know um, where our listeners can find you if they want to learn more? Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, my real name is Scott Erickson, but like you said, it's Scott the Painter on Instagram is where I mostly am at. 
um, Facebook, Twitter as well. But uh, and then scotterickson.art.com is my website, and all the stories, all the wares, all the things—they're all there. And you can just search Justin McRoberts. Uh, same Instagram. Twitter, Facebook. If I'm not Justin McRoberts somewhere, I'm McWhat's his face, uh, which I think is where how I show up on Facebook. And then uh, the podcast is uh, at sea with Justin McRoberts, which actually we're launching season four uh, in the next couple of weeks with some really, really great guests. And I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. And I wanted to say Justin's podcast is a great uh, fit for our listeners. A lot of the guests that you've had are right. I mean, some of our favorite people and some of the folks that we've talked to as well. So that's a oh, that's really nice really cool. Little Thank you so much. Parallel podcast for people to go listen to. You know what? To be honest, Lindsay, Lindsay doesn't say a lot of nice things about white men. So you should really, <laughs> <laughs> you should really oh, feel good about that. That is, <laughs> that is an absolutely true statement. <laughs> Usually, I love like, that so is he white? No, he can't come on the podcast. <laughs> Uh, I know damn. like for real I was like there are these guys I think they'd be a good fit and Lindsay's like mm, I'm gonna have to think about this <laughs> oh man I'm so honored right now excellent <laughs> yeah. thanks thanks for what a gift thanks for looking past our kind of dickish <laughs> team right now yeah. yeah oh you guys are doing such great work really I mean we're we're glad yeah. to have yeah. you and just like stoked that you're out in the world creating what you are i swear to god that might be my favorite moment of any interview we've done in the last eight months (laughs) you know she doesn't usually say nice things about white guys so you know take that one off Thank you well, guys on so that much. note, if you want to hear more uh, crazy things that I might say at the end of an episode, you can mm-hmm. listen to <laughs> Upside Down Podcast or UpsideDownPodcast.com on Instagram. We're Upside Down Podcast. Thank you for listening and come back soon. We should be recording. Yeah. Oh There's no way. Yeah. Just click yeah. recording. Why is this called the Upside Down Podcast? It should, it should be called Progeny. This is what. Yeah. <laughs> this is, uh, this is, a lot oh of gosh, kids. Now I, now I have so many questions. I have so many, questions, so many questions. So, 